Welcome to College Prep Confidential, empowering your student with the elite tools they need to get accepted to their dream university. Discover test-taking blueprints from Ivy League professionals, financial aid secrets to get more money for school, and mindset tips for a better college future. Now, please welcome your host, Don Sevcik. We are back for episode 18, and we're powering up our memory in an episode entitled, Why Phone Numbers Have Dashes and the Secret to a Steel Trap Memory. In the book, Moonwalking with Einstein, various memory experts were interviewed. These experts include chess champions and people that are very good with long strings of letters, words, and numbers. Now, all the memory experts interviewed in the book had various techniques to build and improve their memories. What fascinated me was how all of them shared one memory trick. And I'll tell you this trick in a moment. But first, do you know why phone numbers have dashes? According to Miller's Law, we can pay attention and hold in our short-term memory a maximum of seven plus or minus things at a time. Sorry, seven plus or minus two things at a time. So between five to nine units of information at one time. That is it. Now, phone numbers can be read as a song. I'm not sure if you've ever heard but if you, if you haven't, there was a company called Empire Carpet, and they had a world-famous jingle they used to do on their commercials. And I'm going to get in a singing mode now, so bear with me, but the commercial went like this. 588-2300 Empire. Now, thank you for bearing with me on that atrocious singing. But you can YouTube this song, by the way, to hear the real one. Now, I recommend you watch it one to two times and then tell me if this song doesn't stick in your head for the next month. This song, when we were kids, was famous. People used to sing it all the time. Onward. Our short-term memory holds limited information so we can focus on survival and what's important. Think of our ancestors thousands of years ago who had to look for predators and threats and find safety at a moment's notice. The short-term memory was built with this in mind, and so what it does is it tries to block out extraneous information. Regarding this short-term memory, think of it as the brain's post-it note or scratch pad. The short-term memory gives you a place to dump information as you see it. In order to solve Miller's Law for the 7 plus or minus 2 items as the maximum allowed in your short-term memory, the way you optimize this is with a process called chunking. Now, I'll get to chunking in a moment, but I want to answer the question, why do phone numbers have dashes? And the answer is chunking, so we remember it easier. For instance, If you just read 588-2300, it would be hard to remember. But if you put the dash after the first three digits, you chunk the numbers into a 3-4 pattern. So you read this as 588-2300. So instead of remembering eight numbers, 
or seven numbers, you remember two sets. One set has three numbers and one set has four numbers. Because two is way easier to remember than seven, the phone numbers have a dash so you can chunk, and the chunking allows you to remember these phone numbers much easier. Now, chunking happens in two ways. You can either chunk up, which is a strategy where you take things to a bigger picture, or you can chunk down, and this strategy drives more into the details. In fact, I use a special question to determine a student's chunking preference. And based on their answer to this question, I know how to proceed with the way we group and filter information. And the question I ask the students is called the chunk size question. And it goes like this. My first question is called the elicitation question. And it is, if we were to do a project together, would you like the big picture or the details first? And based on their answer, I then follow up with a second question. If they answer big picture to the first question, I ask, now that you have the big picture, would you really need the details? Or if they answer details to the first question, I follow up with, if I give you the details, would you really need the big picture? Now, these two sets of questions, the elicitation followed up with the second question, gives us four types of chunking personalities or chunking filters. And they are big picture only. This is somebody that only cares about the big picture. They don't, they don't concern themselves with the details. The second is big picture followed by details. Now, this is the most common chunking method on the planet because this is how we're taught in school. And another name for this is deductive thinking. We start with a big picture and then we move into the details. The third chunking method is detail only. So this is somebody that wants the details, the nitty gritty, but they don't care at all about the big picture. And you'll find this with some people that just like you, you call them doers. Just tell me what job I need to do. I don't need to know how it relates to the bigger picture or, for instance, how it helps the company make money. And then number four, the last chunking method is detail first and then big picture. Now, this is a rare chunking filter. Only 10% or so of the people on the planet have this. And this is called inductive thinking. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a powerful book to read to think like this later in the episode. So now that we have the four types of chunking preferences, let's review some high-level concepts of chunking. Since I run a math tutoring site and math is one of the hardest subjects, let's look at some math chunking. A popular version of chunking in math is when you use sets and subsets. Let's think about that. Sets are at a higher chunk level than subsets. Sets contain subsets, which may contain subsets of themselves. Now, for the bigger picture thinker, we chunk up and talk about sets, which contain variables, numbers, or both. But for the detailed thinker, we're going to chunk down to the nitty-gritty details of the elements in the set. And I'll give you an example of this in a moment.
Now here's another method for chunking, for math. Do you remember, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, and the, and the acronym is PEDMAS. Now this stands for parentheses, exponents, division, multiplication, addition, and subtraction. But those are math concepts. And part of the ways the memory experts chunk is to take the acronym and relate it to something they know. For instance, something that, they, something that they've experienced in the past, a famous event, or as we saw with the Empire phone number, a song. So the kids in school used to sing, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. And when you drill that song in your head, it's easy to translate the P to parentheses, the E to exponent, and so on. So what we've done is we've chunked up into an acronym. We've turned the acronym into a song. And the song, the first letter of each word in the song, goes back to the elements of PEDMAS. So we've chunked up and then we chunk back down. Now for math, let's chunk from high level to detail. We're going to take math as a subject. We start with education at the top. So when we go to school, we're going for an education. Now our education consists of subjects. One of them is math. If we chunk down into math, math consists of subjects like algebra, calculus, geometry, and trigonometry. And if we want to chunk down further into the subjects, each subject contains concepts. Each concept contains tips, tricks, and formulas. And each formula contains variables, numbers, and signs. Now, back to the memory champions. Some of the memory champions who have to memorize hundreds if not thousands of pi digits, the digits and the number pi, chunk the numbers into groups. So just like the phone number, we took a seven number phone number and chunked it into two parts, a three digit with a dash and a four digit. And this, my friends, is how memory experts get a steel trap memory. Let's look at another piece of chunking which you'll find on the ACT and SAT exams. Vocabulary. Now vocabulary what they're doing for chunking is forming groups of information. If you're working with a list of vocabulary words, for example, you might create small groups of words that are similar or related to one another. For vocabulary, we're going to take the whole word, break it out into chunks, and then we'll piece the chunks back together. So as we did with PEDMAS, we broke it into an acronym, and then we split it out into a song, and then the song, the first letter of each word, relates to the words in PEDMAS. Now, what about a shopping list? We break that down into smaller grouping based on whether the items on the list are vegetables, fruits, dairies, or grains. And this is just another example of real-life chunking. Now, when we chunk, what we're doing is we're looking for relationships for each item in the chunk. And there's a book I swear by, which I mentioned earlier, about inductive thinking called The Pyramid Principle by Barbara Minto, which covers this concept brilliantly. Now, here's a direct quote from Barbara's site. 
The Minto Pyramid Principle refers to a process for organizing your thinking so that it jumps easily off the page to lodge in a reader's mind. It notes that people ideally work out their thinking by creating pyramids of ideas. And here's how it works. We group together low-level facts they, we see as similar. We draw an insight from having seen the similarity, and we form a new group of related insights. End quote. You see, extended thinking eventually ends in a single pyramid of ideas at many levels, levels obeying logical rules all held together by a single thought. Communicating the thinking requires only that you guide a reader, in this case you, down the pyramid. Now what we're doing with chunking using an inductive method of thinking is we start with a conclusion or a summary first, and then we chunk down into subtopics. Each subtopic within the pyramid must relate in some way. Examples include time or chronological, categories, or certain relations. Now, the key is to understand the connections and relations. Let's walk through an example. Consider the following list of six items. Apple, mom, dad, orange, grape, and brother. Now, if we use chunking, we have two categories of relations family members, and fruit. So if we chunk down and move down the pyramid, we'll start at the top of the pyramid with items in the list. We're going to break off into two sub-pyramids. One is family members and one is fruit. When we come down the pyramid from family members, we're going to have mom, dad, and brother. And in the second pyramid, when we pull down and chunk down, we're going to have apple, orange, and grape. So if you or readers looking at this chart, they can easily, using induction and chunking down, start with a high-level concept such as a list. Break the list out into chunks based on relations. In this case, we've got fruits and family members. And so what we did is we chunked up and then we chunked down. Now, when we chunk up, we move to higher level, more abstract items, a.k.a. the big picture, as we talked about in the chunking methods before. And when we chunk down, we get to the nitty gritty or the details. And this is important and a reason why I ask my two chunking questions to students. Because if I know how they want to group information, I know how to present it to them. Because a big picture only person doesn't care at all about the details. And a nitty gritty person doesn't care about the big picture and where everything's going. And we have the two others with a mixture. There's some people that want to start with a big picture and then get the details. And then some people who give me the nitty-gritty details, and then I'll get the big picture. So let's move on and take a real-life math problem example from the SAT exams. Let's take the common two-step equation in algebra. Now, instead of thinking about numbers, what we're going to do is chunk up for each operation. And an example of this is 2x minus 9 equals 31. For any two-step equation, we're going to do the same things. And let's, get, let's go abstract for a moment. We're going to chunk up. 
We know that the top of the pyramid is a two-step equation. The first chunk is either add or subtract. And we do that based on the sign for the constant. So pyramid level two is what operation are we doing to the constant, add or subtract? The second chunk after that is dividing the variable coefficient to isolate the variable. So if we walk through this, the top of the pyramid is two-step equations. We break this out into two levels, add or subtract for the constant. And then the second and final piece is no matter if we add or subtract, what are we dividing at the end? So we've chunked up into two-step equations and we've chunked down into operation steps. Now I've known about chunking for years and my respect for it has deepened in a chance meeting I had a few years ago. You see, I responded to a learning webinar and through the webinar, I met a few Ivy League testing experts and I asked them how they consistently crushed the ACT and SAT exams over and over again. And one of their answers blew me away. They said, Don, we use chunking for learning. You see, they start with the abstract, the Ivy League testing experts, and then what they do is they move to the details, just like we did in the two-step equation. And as they get good with the big picture and the details, what they'll do is they'll take practice tests on the chunk of information they just learned. So they started chunking up, chunk down on the details, immediately take a practice exam and test their knowledge. Go back, chunk up, chunk down, take an exam again. And once they improve on the practice test with this method, they're going to move on to the next concept, which they'll chunk, learn, master, rinse, repeat, and move on. Now, wouldn't it be nice to have all this Ivy League expertise and chunking set up on a platform for you? Well, I've got great news. It is. And you could get started for just $1. Now, to claim this podcast offer, go to cpcshow.com. That's cpcshow.com. Now, why should you even give this five minutes of your time? Well, you see, the average ACT and SAT tutor costs $75 or more per hour. And then you have the books and the materials And in an article on MarketWatch, this often adds up on average to $3,000 or more for the average family taking the ACT and SAT. But you can get it all digitally for seven days to just give it a try for $1. And if you like what you see after the seven days, and if it feels like something you want to continue with, then you'll move on to $99 per month for full access to ACT and SAT exam prep built by Ivy League experts, including their chunking methods that we just covered in the podcast. All of it is in the platform for you. So check out cpcshow.com to get your exclusive $1 podcast offer, and you can become exactly like the Ivy League testing experts. I want to thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. 
That's all for this episode of College Prep Confidential. To discover how to give your student a better future by increasing financial aid, improving test scores, and reducing stress, visit our website at cpcshow.com. That's cpcshow.com. 